Alrighty then. <laughs> okay, so Lottie, here we are again. I can't, Ouch. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. This is because this is the way I'm impressing you with my. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your technical wizardry. So Lee was telling me less. I said, I just spoke to Wadi. I told him how great you are, how it's going to be such a great time. And look, everything has been nothing but a fuck up. I am so sorry. Oh my God. All right. We'll see if people find us again. Holy shit. All right. They found us. They're starting to come. Oh, I'm, I'm exhausted from this. Yeah. All right. I'm really sorry. I, I, you know, this is, I, I don't even know what to say. This, this was, uh, this was beyond my, um, my capability. I was just sitting here listening to you and we went bye-bye. You know, all of a sudden it just froze out, yeah. Oh God, I'm telling you if, if, so, all right, is your refrigerator, my refrigerator and my freezer are full. If we lose our power, are you guys gonna lose as much food as I am? Uh, we got a pretty full fridge right now, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, not not my favorite thing. All right, so, all right, we're going back to the castles. That's when last we were talking. So, so... We went, um, we went from Vermont. Yeah. To move down to New York. Mm -hmm. And Bud was going to manage us. And we actually moved in with the kids. Uh, they, had, they had several apartments in this building. Right. So the, my band took over the downstairs apartment. And, but the kids were always coming in and out, you know, oh, I left my shirt down here, I left this and that, you know, whatever. So we were all like, just, you know, and Billy, Billy and I spent a lot of time together. Bill Castle and I uh, right. were really tight friends. And uh, so, and all of a sudden one day Bud said, uh, I'm thinking of moving my operation to Los Angeles. Do you want to go? I went, definitely, you know, because at that point, I had already, like I, you know, I was saying, Leslie and I had met. Leslie got a deal. The Vagrants oh. had a record deal. I couldn't find my way into a studio in Manhattan if I tried. I was a, too, first of all, too shy to just walk into Atlantic Records and say, "Hey, I'm here. Hire me." You know, I didn't know what to do. And I've been, I was, you know, playing guitar, studying with a great teacher at that point when I was 16 till I was about almost 18. But still, I was like. I can't, I couldn't break into anything in Manhattan. So the opportunity to go to LA was the ticket and out we came. And then at that point, Bud proceeded to uh, destroy every record deal we got. Um, we came out, we made a demo. And the greatest moment I thought that was going to be was the phone rang. I pick it up and this voice goes, I want to talk to Wadi. <laughs> Who's this? This is Ahmed Erdogan. I want to talk to Wadi. And I could hear my demo in the background playing. Unlike cell phones, you know, when, when you picked up a phone back then, you could hear music instead of it being all weird. Right. I could hear our demo in the background playing. He goes, this is the best fucking record ever. I want to fucking sign you, man. You're welcome to Atlantic Records. Wow. You're kidding. Oh my God, how great. That's the best news. I hung up, told the band we were thrilled. A day later, Bud Castle says, yeah, that it didn't work out. I went, it didn't work out. I just heard Ahmed Erdogan telling me it's we're on Atlantic. Now, what are you telling me? It doesn't work out. Right. Uh, he didn't, it didn't work out. He was, a, he was an asshole. I said, he's an asshole. Okay. Wow. Then, he, then he did it again to Columbia. He did it again at some other labels. 
I think we did like three or four different record deals that we all should have had and didn't because Bud fucked them all up. Oh, Jesus. And at that point, uh, I fired him and uh, quit. I quit him, him managing, producing. Uh, he was our manager. He was our publisher. Everything. He had me signed up like a like a emergency room victim. I was so signed away. And David Crosby, who I met when we first moved out here, I met him like the second or third night we were in Los Angeles. I'm I'm seeing David Crosby sitting at this table, a few tables away from me, going, "I can't believe what I'm seeing. This is like this can't be happening. And what do I do? Do I?" Do I just let this moment slip by or do I go make a complete ass of myself and introduce myself? <laughs> and I went, yep, that's what you're doing. <laughs> Get up. Went over and said hello and told him about the band, told him about the Bud Cowsell. He went, oh my God. I went, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but we're good. <laughs> I said, you wanna, why don't you come over and hear us? And he goes, okay. I went, okay, you will. So he came over. And we had a Judy Pulver was our girl in the band, a great singer, great, and she and she and I were the songwriters in the band. She's a great lyricist, great girl. We're still pals too. She's married to a wonderful guy named Don Peak, great guitar player. Um, and David was sitting there having me. And he said, "So who's managing? You know, I, I know Bud's managing, Bud Castle's managing it, which is a mistake. But what about publishing?" And I, he says, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, him too." He goes. He pointed at me, he goes, asshole, but uh, oop, I think I've done something wrong. Uh, what? He goes, publishing is yours. Mm. You don't give that to anybody. Then they have no right to take that from you. He's stealing that from you. But oh, interesting. So I called Bud. I said, I want my publishing back right now. You don't, you don't, you're not entitled to it. And it's mine. It's not yours. Straighten that out. And then, uh, Shortly after that, we disbanded the whole thing. We broke it all off. Did he give you a hard time about leaving? Mm, it was over. Mm -hmm. It was over. And uh, so that was that. And, did you, you know, uh, yeah, did you reconnect with Ahmed er Erdogan? Did that ever? No, no, never, never. It was gone. It was burnt, gone. Burnt that bridge for you. And I didn't know what to do at that point. And the band, at that point, this band who nobody ever heard of really, we, it, it wasn't happening. Oh, I, Crosby called me one day and said, listen, man, I got to tell you something. You know, you're the only one in that band, right? I went, oh man, uh, I don't want to hear that. He goes, yeah, you don't want to hear it, but you know, it's true, right? Went, oh, wow. Well, I know I play better than they do. You know, and he goes, Wadi, you're the only one in there. And, and so I broke up the band. Judy and I stuck together for a while and we tried to pursue it deal for the two of us and we didn't get anywhere really and, and at that same time uh i started realizing i could do sessions i met i was we were working with a guy named keith olson who was a great great producer who's passed mm -hmm. away recently and keith produced the first fleetwood mac album with stevie Lindsay. you know and that's how stevie Lindsay and i met through keith um he was he was producing my band and then when i quit the band and i judy and i decided to split up. Keith and I were working on my demos and stuff like that. And he and I spent a lot of time together. And I started doing sessions for people and more and more. And I realized, wait, I'm gonna become a, a studio musician. That's what I wanna do. And I told that to the band because I said, I, I'm quitting this band. And I said, you're all fired actually, I'm not quitting. You're all fired, that's what I think of you. And 
and I'm going to be a studio musician. And, and it was incredible that that's what happened. I was able to walk into sessions and sit down and play what people wanted to hear from me. And I could read well enough to get through a chart. And, and I remember one time I was working with a se some session, I don't remember who it was for, but Keith also was producing it in, and some guy was on the date supposedly playing slide guitar. Mm -hmm. I had never played slide guitar in my life. I didn't know the first thing about it, but this guy was so bad <laughs> that I went over to Keith and I said, I got to tell you something. I've never played slide guitar in my life, <laughs> but I guarantee you I can play it better than that guy. He goes, really? I said, yeah, really. I said, I don't know the first thing about it, but I know I can do it better than he is. So he goes, okay, you're on, do it. And I went, all right, now what do I do? I went, uh, uh, and so I laid it down on my lap and I played it like a lap steel. I didn't know what to do. I really didn't, but I knew as long as my hand was in tune, it was gonna be way better than what that guy was doing. So I slid up to a note and it was right on the fret and in tune. And he goes, yeah, that's great. I went, it's great, all right, cool. So I started, developing slide and then realized, oh, I should do it this way, not down my lap. My favorite. I did it that way for a while. And, you know, one session led to another, led to another, led to another. And one day Keith Olsen was producing Bobby Womack and Lee Sklar was on the date and I was on the date. And that's where Leela and I met. And in, in the interim, I'm looking at these album covers for, for a couple of years, I've been in LA kicking around. Mm -hmm. Lee Sklar, Russ Kunkel, and Danny Korch, Kooch Korchma. Who are these fucking, who's this guy? Especially him. Who's this guy? Why is he getting all this work? Why is he getting all this work? I don't even like his tone. What? Why is he getting this work? Why can't I get into these sessions? And then I met Leland. And then shortly after meeting Leland, I met Russell. And then I was working for a great producer named Nick Vinay. Mm -hmm. And Nick said, it's time for you to move on, which I thought he meant I was being fired. And I went, What's, what do I do? He goes, no, it's time for you to move on. So he invited David Foster, who was the new hot piano player in town. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm inviting him down to hear you play. That's why he's on this session tomorrow. So bring your electric rig. We were doing a lot of acoustic stuff, folky stuff. Mm -hmm. I want you to bring your electric stuff tomorrow. I want him to hear you play slide, hear you play electric. So he did, we met, I met Dave, we played. And a day or two later, my phone rang and it was Lou Adler's office calling saying, Lou Adler wants you to come play on this session because David recommended me. Mm -hmm. So I went to this session and there was Leland and Russell and Cooch and Cooch and I finally meet. And of course we loved each other instantly. And, <laughs> and one of the other elements of it that was great was the first tune was a reggae tune. And Zivon and I, and our dear friend, George Calderon, Jorge Calderon, we were reggae crazy. I mean, we were, How Do They Come came out. That was all we were listening to. So you were already playing with Warren when this was happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my first, see, we, we're gonna have to do a part two. <laughs> There's a lot to this, but my first gig out of Los Angeles was a road gig with the Everly Brothers. And Warren Zivon was the band leader for the Everly Brothers. Oh my God. So I had to audition for him. Wow. And he and I didn't hit it off too well, as you might might want to think. You know, two fucking strong attitudes. And especially when he played, he said, All right, yeah, we'll play the song once and then you'll play it. I went, Okay, well, you know, 
because when I heard about this gig, I went, well, that's my gig. I know every song they've ever done. I know every vocal part, every guitar part. Come on, this is it. This is for me. What do I, who do I call? Right. Warren Zevon, Sandy Zevon, his name was Sandy. I don't know why, but so he shows up and he says, all right, we'll play it through. Then you play it. I went, okay, well, you can eliminate that one step, you know, you, you don't, you know, I just play it with you. He goes, no, 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 we're going to play it the way I said. Uh, okay, fine. And we got to the song, Walk Right Back. Gorgeous, Everly Brothers record. And Warren is playing it wrong. He's not playing it quite exactly right. So, and I'm thinking, this guy doesn't like me already. But he's really not going to like me in a minute. So I said, okay. He says, now it's your turn. I went, okay, fine. But uh, you're not playing it right. He goes, what? And I said, no, well, you didn't. I had to because it wasn't right. I said it. I said it doesn't. It goes like this, and I played it. And the bass player named Bob Kanigi, who had been with the Everleys a long time, as soon as he, he goes, oh yeah, hey, that's right. That's how it goes. That's right. So Warren just hated my guts from that moment on, and. You know, we played a few more tunes and, and he said, and I had a big beard at the time too. It was summertime, it was hot as hell. I, had, I didn't shave, huge beard. You know, Lee, Lee and I got along well. <laughs> and so he goes, all right, well, you know, you probably got the job, but you're gonna have to shave that beard off. I went, what? I said, hey man, look, if Don or Phil Everly tell me to shave my beard off, I'll do it in it. I'll do it with, you know, without shaving cream. But you, you telling me to shave? I ain't shaving for you. So. It's nice to know you guys got off to such an auspicious beginning. Oh, we did. I can't wait. So how, how did this relationship evolve? Oh, my God. Well, it evolved because we were on the road together. And even though we argue about a lot of stuff, we always agreed on the Stones. We always agreed on Merle Haggard. And we would just play music all night. We were, and but Warren was this extreme alcoholic, which I'd never been around. I didn't even drink then. As a matter of fact, I didn't drink at all. Uh, and it was thanks to Don Everly and Warren Zevon, I became a fucking drinker. Um, <clears throat> stuck up in England one night in this town in uh, north of England, Leeds, outside of Leeds somewhere. Mm -hmm. My phone rings. It's Don Everly going, what are you doing? I went, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm in my room. He goes, come on down. I'm tending bar. I went, oh, okay. Uh, okay, I'll come down, but I don't drink. So I smoke cigarettes. I'm sitting there smoking. He goes, hey, have a drink. I went, I don't drink. He goes, yeah, drink. <laughs> what is it? Scotch. I went, oh, yeah, okay. Ew, it's horrible. He goes, yeah, have some more. <laughs> okay. So, but, so, and that made Warren happy because Warren was blind drunk every night already. And he was abstract. I'd never seen anybody like him. He was very abstract to me and, and he'd get really nasty and stuff. And so he and I would get in each other's face because I wouldn't take it. <clears throat> but, but every night after the show, we would go to one of the rooms and play music all night long, mm -hmm. drinking, smoking, smoking weed, playing music, playing songs, playing great songs all night long. And Phil Everly said, what do you, he got wind of it. He goes, what's going on at night with you guys? I said, well, we're just playing all night. He says, yeah, I said, you should come. He goes, yeah, I'm going to come. So he came one night. Then Donald the next day goes, what's going on around here? I said, well, we've just been playing. So from that night on, every night, the Everly brothers were in my room or, or Warren's room 
sitting on the floor, everybody smoking cigarettes, drinking, singing songs, Don and Phil Everly singing songs in your hotel room. Oh my God. It was beyond perception. Things like this just don't happen. And, and literally every night, this is what we did. This is how we went through the, the tour every night, no matter where we were. Uh, okay, whose room? Carnegie's room tonight, okay. All right. It was never their room, I realized. Come think of it. I'm not talking. It was never <laughs> of Phil's room. They didn't want the mess, I guess. Right. Uh, so, and so during that time, Warren had written Frank and Jesse, Poor Pitiful Me, Carmelita. You know, I knew these songs in 1970. You know? Right, right. And Donald and I had my song called Maybe I'm Right, which is on, Linda did my song. She called it Maybe He's Right on uh, the Blue Bayou, a Simple Dreams mm -hmm. album. Linda cut that song. Mm -hmm. But during our Everly shows, Don would say, okay, we're gonna now, we're gonna feature Warren on a song. And Warren would do uh, Frank and Jesse or one of uh, the ballads. Mm -hmm. And then I would do my, maybe I'm right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were in each other's music all the time. And by the time the tour ended, I knew all his tunes already. Right. And then he did the Blue Album came along. Jackson produced that album mm -hmm. and hired me because Warren said, you got to have this guy play with me because he knows these songs already. And so that's when I met Jackson. And so we did that album and that album led to the next one. And Jackson asked me to co-produce Excitable Boy album with him. And by then I knew enough about Warren's music to where I could hear his songs and I could arrange them. I could just hear how they how a band should play them. I didn't even think about arranging. You know, it's just like I know what a band should do with this tune. You know, so it was all instinctual for you moving from player to producer. Yeah, basically, I didn't know what what the roles meant really, but I knew my function in that situation mm -hmm. was get the bands. You know, and you know by then I knew all the players: Leland Russell, Jeff Picaro. Danny Korchmar, you know, every other guitarist, Lucas, every guy in town right. had worked with already. So, so we'd bring them in and everybody would play and we'd be great. And then we went to vocals. And then that's when another thing about me was my ear again, would, I was good at, no, that's not good enough. That vocal, you're out of tune. That's not good enough. Do it again, do it again, do it again. You know, that's not good enough. And it, it became a thing where actually later on in life, Henley and I, we would drive everybody crazy because we were both so, on the pitch of vocals so he and i would have a ball all night long doing vocals and everybody else would we'd get out of the room <laughs> so you know it, it became it just kind of yeah instinctually became what it was and the songs were great warren songs were amazing and uh we co-wrote nighttime in the switching yard and 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 but what was incredible was that time in los angeles was the most loving musical shared experience i mean we'd be in the studio and henley would come by mm -hmm. or glenn would come by and just say hey what are you guys doing hey come on in man have a you know have a drink sit down have a smoke have a drink you want me to sing or play no just have hang out man everybody would hang out wow. see that and if you needed someone i'd call the, when we did this song excitable boy oh. i'm listening to it i'm going it needs you're gonna think this is weird guys, but I hear Beach Boy backgrounds on this. Uh, what? Yeah, well, I need them. So I called Linda, I said, what are you doing? She goes, nothing. I said, well, I'm, I'm hearing these backgrounds on this song of Warren's. 
you want to come down and sing? I need uh, Beach Boy stuff. She goes, oh, okay, well, call Jennifer. So Jennifer Warrens and Linda came down and the three of us do all the backgrounds on Excitable Boy. Wow. And everybody was just so beautifully open and musically sharing. If you weren't in the studio working on something, you were at someone's house writing or just playing. And J.D. Souther and I became the best brothers in the world. J.D. Souther and my brother were my best man. I couldn't decide between the two of them because we're, the three of us are so close. So the both of them were my best man at my wedding, you know. Uh, things were, friendships were so deep and beautiful. Was and it, were so, you part of that whole Laurel Canyon? Was that the whole Laurel Canyon thing? Kind of, you know, we were, we were kind of off on our own tangent of that, but it was around the same period, yeah. But mm -hmm. we were a little later, you know, Eagles had, we met, and Warren and I met the Eagles one day at, at a, a frontline management and we walked away going those guys are as funky as we are you know <laughs> well they're kind of cool they're kind of nice we like them you know and then as we got in the studio jackson because he worked with Den glenn and don mm -hmm. so we all became pals and it was just an amazing period incredible and the, the backgrounds all the vocals on the records it's it's henley's ensemble it's jd and jackson and myself or hey calderon it was beautiful, totally beautiful. How did how did uh, the Stevie Nicks thing happen? Well, Stevie Nicks thing happened because of Keith Olson. I was working with Keith, and he said to me, "I'm bringing these this couple down from Northern California, mm -hmm. and you've got to play with them. Uh, they're great. You're going to really like them. They're great singers, really good writers." But the guitar player, he doesn't know how to play with anyone else. So that's why you got to be there. He, you you got to show this guy how to, you know, work ensemble, play a little with somebody. Mm -hmm. So the next thing I know, Steve and Lindsay come down. We all love each other. You know, we're hanging out with Stevie. Stevie was off on her own a little. She was working. You know, I was doing sessions. Mm -hmm. For that household, Stevie was waitressing and stuff like that. And, wow. and Lindsay was hanging around the house. And God. when I could, it's Lindsay and I would be there in his basement recording stuff, working on stuff. And we did the Buckingham Knicks record. And that's the first time we played together. We worked, on, I, I'm on that record with them. And that's how it, it happened. And then they went to Fleetwood. I was still on the road with Linda. Then I was on the road with James. And all of a sudden I got a call that Stevie's doing a solo album and they want me there. And it was Russell and then myself and Bob Glaub and uh, Ben Montage, Roy Bitten. Show up, you know, there's Stevie. I haven't seen her in years. Smoking cigarettes now, drinking, going, uh-oh, okay, this is different. Uh, we got on well and we rocked heavily. You know, we connected heavily and musically and we still do. Unbelievable. Uh, so, and how about Keith Richards? How did how did that relationship start? I met Keith when I was on the road with Linda. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a run at the amphitheater, and I met Woody and Mick. And then we went to Europe, and we played this theater. And after the show, I come downstairs, and there's Keith Richards standing there next to Peter Asher. And I went, "Oh my God!" And I walked up. And I went, "Oh my God!" A Rolling Stone. Look at that. <laughs> And, I went, and we're about the same height, too. I like that. And, uh, <laughs> and so he and I spent several days together right from that night on. Wow. Um, and we spent a lot of days together and had a, had a great forming of a great relationship that lasts till this moment. 
And so that's how that started. And when the winos was, well, it wasn't even the winos yet. It was Keith was going to do a solo album and Steve mm -hmm. Jordan and he were working on it. And Steve said, who, who do you want for guitar? And he goes, I want Waddy Wachtel to play guitar. So I got this phone call from a lawyer saying, I represent Keith Richards and uh, he's looking for you. I went, oh, he's looking for me. Well, why don't you tell him you found me? You know, <laughs> I said, well, you found me. Why don't you tell him where I am? He goes, well, he's at Larrabee Recording Studio. Would you uh, call him? I went, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. So I call him up. You know, we'd, we'd seen each other a few times over the years. And, mm -hmm. and he said, Wadi, I'm putting a band together and you're in it. I went, what? He goes, yep, you're the other guitar player, man. Wow. He says, where are you? I said, I'm here. He says, can you come by Larrabee? I said, yeah, sure. So I went by and that was it. That started like that. Wow. All right. All right. I'm, I have two more questions and I'm going to let you go. One, where, how'd you get your name? How did it, how did Bobby become Wadi? Wadi came off of a, one of the guys in my surfing band mm -hmm. uh, who used to make a lot of mistakes. And I used to bust his ass because I was always like this band leader type. Mm -hmm. Big mouth, you know, running things and, and <laughs> his ass about stuff. And finally, one day he got sick of me yelling at him. And I was still Bob at that point. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, he just went, I'm sorry, Waddy. Off of Wachtel, I guess, you know, uh, he just said it out of nowhere. I went, whoa, <laughs> what? He goes, I'm sorry, Waddy. I went, don't call me that. What is that? Oh, my dogs are yelling for me. I got to go. Um, and then after a while, I started to realize, I'm sick of the name Bob. I think I'll go with that word Wadi. I think I like it now. So that's how it came about. There, all right, I'm gonna let you go to your dog. One more question. So now you're with the immediate family. You're with these guys that you've played with for a million years. And now you've got this thing. Is this, it seems to me Wadi, like you have, you have creatively visualized your entire life. Like you decided as a little kid, you saw that guitar. It's like, that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I wanna do. And you seem to have done that with every step you've you've taken. Do you believe that? Well, it seems. You know, I don't know. I don't know how any of it happened, really. <laughs> I, I, I I blame the pick in my hand for everything that happened. So. So is the immediate family kind of the culmination of that dream? It, 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 More or less. Yeah, the, the immediate family is a dream come true for for me and and for my brothers mm -hmm. uh, we we've always loved playing together and the fact that now we can be this band together it, it's unbelievable you know um, i gotta we gotta talk more about it but i gotta go i gotta go i, I know you gotta go all right so there's gonna be an out is the album still coming out as planned oh, oh absolutely yeah so when will that be dropping i can't really say at this point we're not sure because we've been We've been looking at a number of different scenarios about how to do it, but uh, you'll be one of the first people to know. Well, I'll be, um, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And, uh, and there's a documentary in the works too, Danny yep. Tesco, yes. Okay, all right. Well, Wadi, thank you so much for doing this and thank you so much for your patience with dropping <laughs> out. And uh, it's been so nice getting to know you and I'm so happy at long last we have. Thanks, Vicky, me too. Thanks have so a much. very happy Thanksgiving. You too. And I hope that- yeah. <laughs> everybody right. have a happy Thanksgiving. See you Take soon. Care. Everybody, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye-bye, Vic. Thank you.